Today I want to, uh, I want us to go into the Word to 1 Samuel chapter 7. In 1 Samuel chapter 7 verses 2 through 12, uh, we've got some particular scripture we're going to read there. And I've got to cut this fan off back here. I've got this thing. I've got this thing about noises. You know, don't I Sister Sarah? I got this thing about noises. So I don't turn that fan off. I did turn that fan off. So if I get sweating, it'll be okay. We took a shower this morning. And I put on degree. All's well. First chant Samuel chapter seven. If you're following along, I'm reading in the new, new, uh, international wording. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods. You'll notice that is spelled with a lowercase g. Can I share with you a pet peeve for just a moment? If you're typing on social media and you're talking about God, about Yahweh, Jehovah, El Shaddai, don't spell his name with a little g. Because the capital G denotes that he is God. But here the little, the lowercase g is appropriate. So if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtaroths and served the Lord only. Put away, actually, that doesn't mean they tucked them under the rug, okay? That means they got rid of them. They eliminated them. In verse number 5, And Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of the of Israel at Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Philistines heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Let me pause right here for just a second. Sarah, you help me. Remember, I stopped in front of verse 9. What happens here is the Philistines have returned to the Lord. They have got rid of the false gods. Okay? But now they're facing facing a treacherous battle, a battle with the Philistines. They need they they wanted to know that they were going to to survive or if you would uh, come out of this battle alive. So they said, Samuel, don't stop praying. Continue to pray that we will be favored. So what we see here is Samuel, if you would, is fulfilling the role of the intercessor for the Israelites. Let me say that another way. Samuel is fulfilling the role of the intercessor. In the New Testament, I find the Bible says there's one intercessor between God and man. His name is Jesus. Amen. So Samuel in this in this particular spot, Samuel is serving the office, if you would, of intercessor. Now he is, of course, not the Christ, he is not the Savior, but yet he is the intercessor. We have a greater intercessor than Samuel. His name is Jesus. Pick up again at verse 9. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as to the whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. And while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines. 
And he threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. To put that to you in plain West Virginia English, they turned tail, tucked tail, and ran. Okay? They routed themselves before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Beth-Kar. Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and he named it Ebenezer. Ebenezer. And Ebenezer means, thus far, the Lord has helped us. A few weeks ago when we were outside in fun day service, I gave you, I gave you a little gift. I gave everyone that was there, you got a penny. Okay, I don't know if you still have it or not. You can only spend it one time though. Today, Scott and whoever he has, uh, uh, uh voluntold to help him this morning, they're gonna give you another little gift. They're gonna give you a, an Ebenezer. You know, I've had an Ebenezer before. Some of y'all may have had pet Ebenezers before. That Ebenezer was a rock. Okay? So Scott and Alicia and whoever else, you may need to get to help you. They're going to pass these out, but I want you to hold on to them. I will say this for a disclaimer. For, for liability purposes, I want you to understand these rocks are not edible. Okay, so don't be putting them in your mouth. They have not been washed nor sterilized. So do not be putting them into your mouth. It said on the package, plainly, unsafe for children under six years old. So if you have a problem with, with, with age, uh, you know, there's an age issue in your life, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, a, uh, issue of, of, of maturity, please don't take the risk, okay? But I want you to have one of these rocks. Nothing special about them. It's just used to help you remember this morning. What I want to share with you this morning about this this encounter is the first thing that we see is that Israel lost their passion. Here's what happens. When you lose your passion, you lose your ark. I'm not talking about Noah's ark. I'm not talking about Noah's ark at all. I'm talking about the presence of the Lord. When we lose our passion, then we begin to withdraw from the presence of the Lord. Some of us used to be, and even will, (coughs) excuse me, sometimes admit, is this my water or yours? It's mine. It doesn't matter now, I've already drank after it. So, sometimes we'll say things like, I'm just not as close to the Lord as I used to be. Or I just don't feel the Lord like I used to experience Him. I, I, I just don't, I just don't feel, I just don't sense that closeness to the Lord like I once was. When you go back in chapter 4 of this, of this, uh, same 1st Samuel, you'll find there that Israel lost the Ark of the Covenant. That was the literal, if you would, presence of the Lord to them. The Ark of the Covenant displayed the presence of God. The promise Blessings had departed with the ark. Now keep in mind with this. The promised blessings had departed with the ark. Israel was no longer living under the greater blessing that God had for them to live in. However, the covenant blessing remained and will forever remain. So they found themselves... Uh, if you would, sometimes we're in a similar situation. We will find ourselves not departed from the Lord, but, but, but yet we are somewhat removed from Him. We're not backslidden. If Jesus would come, we would not be lost, but yet we find ourselves not living in the fullness of the Lord that we once have known or that we could know. Their passion left them before The ark ever left them. The Lord never leaves us. We leave the Lord. If, if you ever feel like that the Lord is, is far away from you, well, I just, I just encourage you to, well, just go back to wherever you begin to wander off. And there you will find the Lord. When our passion deteriorates, our ears and our eyes will begin to wander. 
And when our ears and eyes begin to wander, then our heart will soon follow down that same trail. We will find ourselves attracted and allured by other things other than the things of God. These Israelites became a wayward people. They had lost their love for God in the larger part, apparently, maybe entirely. Uh, the, the love for their, their fathers, Yahweh, had and they had begun to pursue false gods and goddesses. And we find here that, that, that there is a term used and we see the word Baal and Ashtoreth and, and those are, Baal is a god and Ashtoreth a goddess and, and they were encompassed a lot of false worship, if you would. These false deities were looked upon in several aspects, uh, and some of us now refer to it as Greek mythology. Uh, some of you may refer to it as the worship of nature. And I love nature. Man, I took, I was out in my yard last night. Man, I was taking pictures of that big old bright moon and Jupiter right below the moon and, and the clouds were almost like they were sweet. Man, it was beautiful. But I can't worship that because I can't worship the creation because when you begin to worship the creation rather than the creator, then you're indulging in witchcraft. I don't find myself, and uh, uh, such as these people probably did, following mysticism and astrology and, and, and all manners of witchcraft and black magic. You see, but when our hearts depart from God, our hearts are always looking for something. And when our hearts depart from God, it's all—it's not just our hearts are not going to depart and just hang out there in limbo somewhere. Our hearts will begin to search for something else. That's exactly what happened with Israel. A commonality exists between the Baal and Ashtoreth, the god and the goddesses of worship. They were considered to be both of these, Baal and Ashtoreth, were the god and goddess of fertility. They believed that the worship of these false gods will ensure their lives to be fruitful. They believe because of Baal and Ashtoreth and the worship of those false gods and goddesses that, that their children would prosper for many generations. I can remember my dad saying, son, I want you to go to school and I want you to learn because I don't want you to work the way I've had to work all my life. I can remember my dad saying things like, son, now me and mommy say we got y'all so we, we got you and your sister some money put back and, and so, so y'all have a little bit in, in life and, and we worked really hard for that. You know, I, I think one generation always has a, a, a purpose and a plan for their next generation to prosper. And even their worship had engaged that philosophy, if you would. But it was not just about their children. They wanted their crops to prosper. They wanted their businesses to prosper. They wanted all that that, that encompassed, it, encompassed life for them. They wanted it to prosper. In, in other words, I think you could say this. When you consider their pagan worship, their pagan worship was actually centered around the pursuit of prosperity. Does that sound familiar? Sometimes I look around and I, I see us as a world and, and uh, listen, I'm, I, I've not, I've not experienced every society and every ethnic group on the face of the earth. I, I can't say that I have, <clears throat> but I have been blessed to, to, uh, engage many of those. And I want to tell you, here in America, we are blessed. And, and the poorest of us in this room this morning is still rich in compared to the world. And we oftentimes, we're, we're all about pursuing prosperity. What, what, gaining more, achieving more, acquiring more. Thinking of our kids more. And there's nothing wrong with savings. I'm not saying that. There's nothing wrong with planning for our children to have educations and our grandkids to have educations and all that. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is when, when our eyes begin to be withdrawn from the Lord and our eyes begin to turn towards the successes of this world, then we also have become guilty of following after Baal and Ashtoreth, if you would. Because all true blessing, 
in reality comes from God. The things that we, we go out and we can achieve and we can, we can acquire and I, I, I'm going to get on some territory here. I believe God does want to bless you. I do want, believe God wants to prosper. In fact, the word says, uh, the word says, God said, I want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul does prosper. I don't argue with the fact that God wants us to prosper. But listen to this. Even today, there is, there is a doctrine in the church that is preaching and teaching that God wants to make you a millionaire. And he wants, you need to have Cadillacs setting in your driveway. No offense to those of you who had Cadillacs in the room. God wants you to have Cadillacs in your driveway and he wants, you know, he wants you to have this and that and the other and you know, he wants you to have yachts and boats and planes and trains and whatever else that you equate with prosperity. He wants you to have that. But I've known people that have been faithful to the Lord and loved the Lord with all their heart for many, many years and give their hearts to the Lord and, and, and they're still driving, they're still driving around in the old beat up pickup truck or driving around in their Kia or whatever else they may have. No offense to those of you who have Kias. And I think the, even in the church world today, we have a mixed up ideology of what prosperity really is. Because the Bible says if a man gain his whole world, this whole world but lose his soul. Yeah. Wow. So what happens is if we're not careful, we find ourselves losing focus of God for the sake of getting ahead or achieving in life. But thank God, these Israelites came to a point and a time that they saw the need once again of turning back to God. I don't know. I've, I haven't looked it up. I didn't look it up for this morning. I'm sure there's somebody that's calculated. I don't know how many times the Israelites have turned back to God. There's still one more time coming, by the way. But time and time again, they've wandered away and they, and God has brought them back. They have turned their back. And time and time again, you and I have found ourselves walking away. But God wants to draw us back. He has drawn us back and he will draw us back. So what we have to do is, is in finding our Ebenezer, your, that's your little rock. Your little rock that you have there, that's your Ebenezer. That's your Ebenezer. And finding your Ebenezer, because your Ebenezer is a reminder. It's a reminder. It's your remembrance, if you would. What happened first was the Israelites had to capture a renewed vision of who God was. You know, sometimes we we we, we lose sight of who God is. We know it. And in our mental capacity, we, 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 yeah, we realize it. But sometimes deep down in our spirits, we really lose sight of who God is. And it's, that's when we wander. That's when we go astray. That's when we find ourselves pursuing other things in life. Once again, in 1 Samuel verse, chapter 6 verse 13, you see that Israelite the Israelites got to catch a glimpse of the ark with their own eyes. They saw the ark one more time. You know, that's what you and I need. We need to see the presence of God just one more time. I, I have to be honest. I have not literally ever seen the presence of God. Uh, I doubt you have either. Because the presence of God is greater than, than our bodies could contain. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm not going to dispute that maybe you haven't experienced the pre- His presence in some form or, pre- or fashion. But I haven't seen the literal presence of God. But this I do know, that the ark wasn't the literal presence of God in the sense that they were seeing God Himself. But it was the representative of the presence of God. <clears throat> These Israelites found themselves seeing that representation. The presence of God. Once again, it had been departed. They had lost it. It had been gone. But now they have beheld the presence of God 
one more time. You know, you and I, I thank God that I've had second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth chances. Why, you know, I, we were talking in life group early this morning and, and as we were talking over there in a the life group, and you know, I, I came up in that generation where you got saved at least five times a day, sometimes more, you know. I've I've experienced the presence of God time and time and time and time again. So we need that new glimpse of God's presence. But just as important as seeing the presence of God was the reaction of the Israelites. You know, I believe that God is a revealer. I believe, I believe it is always, and we see this from the beginnings of time, it has always been God's plan to reveal Himself to His creation, humanity. God has wanted to reveal, He has wanted to show Himself. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to see Him. He wants you to experience Him. But then, what do we do after We have experienced him. How do, when my son was young, there was, uh, this, I I don't even really know what, what it meant, but, but when, when Zach was young and he, they used to come up on all of him and all of his buddies, they used to come up and they say, how you don't act? How you don't act? I don't know what that meant, but I'd go along with it. I said, hey, how you don't act? How you don't act when you, when you encounter or you've had another visitation, another opportunity to see the presence of God? How are you going to act? How are you going to respond? Well, let me tell you what happened with Israel. The Israelites saw the necessity of penance. Penance. That's the word that we get repent or repentance from. Samuel brought the qualifier in. He says, if you are going to return to the Lord with all your hearts, then you need to rid yourselves of the foreign gods. You need to get rid of the Baals. You need to get rid of the Ashrofs. Most of those were statues, okay? They were little godly, not godly, but little godlike statues that they used as part of their worship. The Ashrofs used like pole, if you would, in their form of worship. He said, you need to get rid of those things if you're returning to the Lord with all of your heart. You know, sometimes we get a glimpse of the Lord and we say, oh yeah, I know it's time for me to come home, but yet we don't want to get rid of what we've accumulated. And I'm not talking about material things or belongings, but we don't want to get rid of what we've accumulated in our hearts in order to get back to the Lord. Are you with me? So the first thing you need to do is get rid of all your foreign gods. You see, repentance is a process that involves not only the removal of the, the, the physical representation of false gods, but it also meant that they had to empty their hearts of the desire of the false gods. You see, because just as much sin, or maybe even more so, I, I, I don't know that I should even try to quantify, but even more so than the sins of having the false gods in their house was the hold or the grip that the false gods had on the heart of the Israelites. Sometimes more than the, the whatever is holding us or whatever whatever we has become the false God, if you would, in our life, whatever has manifest we have allowed to manifest in our life, more so than the it or the thing, if you would, is the spiritual grip or the mindset that it holds over us. He so so you gotta empty your hearts of those desires. If you don't think that there's some uh, basis for that. Let me tell you this story about this lady. This lady was married. She was married to a good man. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, those uh, those are men in the room. You, you understand what it's like. It's it's you know, ladies don't know how they have it made when they married to a good man, do they? Yeah, can I get an amen out of the men? You know, you know, you know. I mean, it's it's not easy. like my with my wife. It's it's not easy being married to a trophy husband. Okay. I hope y'all know I'm smiling when I said that. 
But this guy, this guy, he had this wife and his wife was, uh, you know, he was a godly man and, and he had, he had, he had a godly home, but, but things had got bad in their neighborhood. God said, I'm going to get you all out of this neighborhood. So he said, come on, Lot, you and your household and let's go. Let's leave. And out of all the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, out of, out of the epitome of unrighteousness and sin and degradation, uh, uh, whatever, any word that you could possibly imagine would apply to Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, he said, come on, Lot, I'm taking you and your family and I'm leading you out. And as, as Lot and his family were being led out of the city and fire and brimstone was raining down on Sodom and Gomorrah, the judgment of God was unfolding over that city. Lot's wife turned around and looked back. And she was turned to a pillar of salt. You see, it wasn't what she was doing in that moment by turning around but it's because her heart was still in Sodom. Her heart was there. Even though she had left and she had departed, her heart was still there. And it was not the physical occurrence of her turning around. It wasn't just a matter of curiosity. The fact is her heart was still there. And oftentimes God brings us out of stuff and he, and he delivers us out of stuff, but, but we, we, we continue to cling to it with our heart. I want you to understand with me. Repentance is not just a sinner thing. Okay? Somehow, somehow Christians, we, we lose sight of that sometimes. Repentance is not just a sinner thing. Repentance, and you know, I, and I don't realize we don't have an altar rail across this church, and, and that's all good and fine. That doesn't bother me in the least, so I'm not being critical when I say that. But I remember the days when we used to have those altar railings that went around the front of the church, and, and, and uh, you know, and all that just comes goes back to church history there was really nothing sacred about an altar railing and i remember but i remember people used to go up and hang over them things oh lord forgive me jesus for everything i did <laughs> and we'd hang over an altar rail and we would snivel and we would cry and we would whine and we would beg god and we and, and all we would go through all of those things and we called that repentance that wasn't repentance at all that was that was if you would that was confession and grieving if you would but repentance occurs receive that word repent comes from a word that actually means a 180 degree turning you know, and I'm, I'm not, I never was great in math, okay? I know like two plus two equals five and things like that. But, 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 but I, I do understand what 180 degree turning means. 180 degree turning means that you're turning halfway around. If you go 360, you went a full circle, okay? But if you turn 180, that means if you're going this way and God gets a hold of your heart, you get a vision of God and He start, and He begins to deal with your heart and you are to start returning turning to him he wants you to turn 180 degrees and he wants you to go back the opposite way the way you just came from because wherever you came from wherever you or wherever i wherever we leave god is exactly where we will find him if we will turn our way back to him so in this repentance this penitent heart in this work of repentance, it's not just a sinner thing. John wrote to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. He said, consider how far that you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I want you to know, there's need for repentance in my life. Very often. There's repentance needed in your life. Very often. I want you to know this. There is the need of repentance. In God's church. I believe. That repentance. Is the key. To the next great awakening. I believe repentance. Is the key. To the next revival. The work of confession. Is also important to us. We see in verse 6. That has. Has. Uh, 
uh, uh, Samuel re- speaks to the Israelites. You can follow back. I'm not going back and read. It. I'm running out of time. But we don't need to repent to just men. You don't need to come tell me. Listen, God bless you. If you're part of the Catholic Church, God bless you this morning. I I pray that you know Jesus Christ in the fullness of salvation. But you don't need to come and confess to me your sins. Because I can't help you. Now, if, if, you know, I'll I'll try to pray for you. I'll I'll try to help you work through some things. But confessing to me is, is really meaningless as a pastor. Confessing to a priest is meaningless in essence, if you would, what I'm trying to say. Don't worry about confessing to men, but confess to God and let God know. Let God be honest with him and, and lay your shortcomings, your fallacies and our mistakes, whatever you want to call them, our sin, lay them out before him. And then there's an action of rededication that takes place. So we have repentance, we have confession, and then we have the action of rededication. There are two key parts that Samuel uh, present in verse number three that we read here. I'm going to go back and read it to you again. So Samuel said to all of the Israelites, If you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Now, I want to share with you two key parts that Samuel just shared. The one I've already touched on quite explicitly. The one thing is to commit. We've got to commit ourselves back to the Lord. We've got to commit ourselves to the uh, to to the Lord. The other is to worship God exclusively. Now, I've I've got people, friends that I know that that follow the Mormon religion. Um, I know in many other countries that it's not exactly a bizarre thing. But I want to tell you something. <clears throat> I have my doubts if I told this woman right here that I thought I was going to go ahead and marry another woman and just have two wives. She might be short, but she knows judo. <laughs> Not really. She knows Judy. Judy chops. She Judy chops you. She can kick as high as she is tall. You don't believe that, do you? She didn't have a dress on this morning. If she'd wore slacks, I'd have had her demonstrate. If I told this one, if I said, listen, you wouldn't marry, you wouldn't mind if I married two or three other women. I just have three wives. We all live in the same house. And then, you know, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't wrap my mind around that. Okay. Number one, I can't wrap my mind. You know what this woman's going to say? This woman's going to say, you ain't marrying no other woman and having me, Buster. Yeah, that's probably putting it very mildly, you know, what she'd say to you. And she's a very, she's a very kind lady. But understand this, though. I wouldn't do, if she told me, she said, I thought, I think I don't marry two or three other men and I don't have like multiple husbands. And, you know, we can, we can all just do life together and we'll just share. Let me tell you something. God is not interested in sharing your love and dedication with another God. Another God being something else that you worship or something else that I worship, something else that, 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 that takes our, our love. And there, we talked about that in life groups this morning. I can't rehash all that now, but we talked about different administrations of love. But there's a part of us, there's a part of us that there's a love that was in a, that is within us, a worship type of love that only God is deserving of that worship type of love. But when we give that worship type of love to something or someone or some other means, then we're robbing God of the love that He deserves. And if we're going to love God, when, when, and I shared this with Lexi last week when she came up to give her heart to the Lord about how Paul wrote to the Roman church and he, and we use that for the, if you would, the instructions of salvation that the, the ability to be saved, it lies within you. It's in your, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart that we can, uh, confess the Lord, Jesus Christ as Lord. Lord means He has all of my Affection. The Lord just simply wants 
all of our affection in the sense of worship. And he's do that. And he's righteous and he's entitled to that. So what we find is the two things. One is commitment. The other one is worship God exclusively. Man, I got to hurry up here. I ain't going to get done. We might go into overtime. There exists renewal. This is the good news. There exists renewal and deliverance for everyone that repents. For several months, maybe even years now, I don't know. We Listen, if you've never been to a Wednesday night, we'd love for you to come out. We meet over in the fellowship hall. The first thir- about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, uh, we meet. We, we just use it for prayer time. And, I, and, I, and I've used this scripture time and time and time again on Wednesday nights. I said a few moments ago, I believe repentance is the key to revival. I believe re- uh, repentance is one of the keys or the key, if you would, to the next great awakening. If there is a next great awakening, this is where I get that from second chronicles 7 and 14 most of you can quote it by heart if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and i will forgive their sin and i will hear their land you see when a repentance occurs god moves amen For the Israelites of 1 Samuel that we read about in text this morning, the Lord once again fought their battle. If you read it, reveal verse 10. If you read verse 10, you'll find there they didn't have to raise a a finger. They didn't have to raise a sword. They didn't have to raise a spear. They didn't even have to harness up a horse. The Lord thundered and the Philistines turned and ran and then the Israelites pursued them. But it followed repentance and rededication. And then in verse 14, if a little bit further than we read in the text, but if you read verse 14, you find out that their cities were restored. And guess what remained in the city? The Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God did abide with them because they had submitted and they had repented. Every single one of us have failed in some capacity. I know that. But I can cite many other recipients of an Ebenezer. You see, because when you read that, when you read this account that I give to you, I don't take your rock, Sarah. It says, it says that there that Samuel put up a rock. He put a rock up in that place. And it was probably a bigger rock than you have. But I was going to buy a little bit bigger rocks than these. But they cost too much at Walmart, you know. And uh, so I went with the I went with the budget price rocks. So they're a little bit smaller. But you can set that on your desk. You can glue it to the dash of your car. You can do what, where, where, but somewhere, put that rock somewhere to remind you how that God has showed up and He has renewed and He has restored your relationship with Him. That was the rock of Ebenezer. That's what Savior called. He said, this is the rock of Ebenezer. It's a rock of remembrance that this is the place that you once again encountered God. You once again came back to Him here. You once again repented here and He once again gave you victory and He once again restored you here. And don't you think that you're not the first person to ever need a rock of Ebenezer. There's a bunch of others. There was a king that was named David that had to be restored. There was a mighty warrior. His name was Samson that had to be renewed. There was a prophet that was named Jonah that had to go to the deepest part of the earth and then be puked out on the seashore by a large fish somewhere. There was a dude that was that had his name changed from Simon Peter that that had pulled all kinds of antics and said, Oh Lord, I'll never deny you. And yet he did. There was a son that we don't even know his name. He must have been really important. He didn't even have a name. But we just knew him as the prodigal that wandered away from home, found himself spending everything of his inheritance, everything he had, find himself not even as good as the hogs. He left what the hogs wouldn't eat. But he made his way home. And then there's me and there's you.
No man, it's untold how many Ebenezers I've collected throughout my Christian walk. It's probably untold how many Ebenezers that I will collect in however long the Lord tarries His coming or He allows me to breathe the breath of life. But every single one of us has failed in some capacity. And we found ourselves restored. We found ourselves renewed. Maybe this morning, you need renewed, a restored, a renewed vision, a renewed heart, a repentant heart, an admission of our weakness. And here's the thing about it. We can share our Ebenezer. We can display our Ebenezer that the whole world may know. Not a one of us in this room will probably ever be Billy Graham or Charles Stanley or anybody else that you could possibly name. We might not have that notor notarization, you know, we might not have notoriety, I mean, we may not have that but we're just as equally important to God. You know, we show off a lot of things in life, don't we? We show off our grandkids if you don't if you don't believe that, just look at my social media page we show off our grandkids their ball pictures for me, the ball pictures, music pictures we, we show off listen we show off pictures of our biscuits and gravy of the morning. It's what we're going to eat, okay? We show off, we show off pictures of, a, of, 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 of the week. I showed off a picture of, of, of a, uh, I think it was a pot of soup. Other day, I did it just for meanness. I said, we have a pot of pinto beans, fried taters with parsnips and onions and cornbread. But I'm not going to post a picture of it because some of y'all will get jealous. We, we show off all kinds of things in our life, okay? We do. We show off our cars. You know, I was over at the cruise in yesterday over there. You know, we had it out here on fun day. We had people riding their cars in, you know. We, we, we show, we show off our, Hunting dogs and, uh, and, uh, our knitting or whatever else we have. We, 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 we'll show, we'll show it off. You know, we like, all of us have, there's a little bit of, somewhere within us, there's a little bit of, somewhere there's a little bit of somebody that's gonna brag just a little bit. We're, we take a little bit of pride in something, you know. But this is what I want to charge you to do today. I want you to take a little bit of pride in your Ebenezer. Take a little pride in your Ebenezer. We show off a lot of things. But let's show off our Lord. Let's show off our God. Let's display Him and say that somebody come, I had somebody come up to me a, a few months ago and it's somebody I went to school with. Let me tell you something. When I went to school, now I know y'all ain't gonna believe this, okay? When I went to school, I was a rascal. Okay? When I went to school, I was just a little bit mean. When I went to school, I did, I did things I wasn't supposed to do. I went places I shouldn't have went. I did things I shouldn't have done. And every once in a while I'll run into somebody that I haven't seen. And I know y'all don't look at me and you don't say, how could that possibly be? I ran into somebody that I graduated with 43 years ago. And I don't say, how could he graduated when he was two years old? But, yeah. Some of y'all get that later. That's a time, yeah. And they'll say to me, I would have never believed. This, this recently, didn't it, Sarah? It's, Lady that I went to school with, she said, I would have, somebody had told me when we were in high school that in our Taylor would be pastor of a church and be going, and I was getting ready to go to Peru, and she said, going around the world and, and building churches and, and preaching and stuff like that, I would have said you were crazy. But my Ebenezer, my encounter with God, 
changes everything. And your encounter with God changes everything as well. I like the words of that old song, I once was lost, but now I see. I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I'm seeing. I, 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 I'm, I am not what I was, but I am who I am through the mercies and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have not been zapped into perfection. If you follow me long, you'll figure that out. But I want to tell you, I have a rock who is mightier than I, and his name is Jesus. And he is my Ebenezer. And even sometimes when I get hard-headed, like the rock, when I get hard-headed, His love will bring me home. And I find Him all over again, and again, and again. Words of a song, I want to read this to you. Our Ebenezer. The rock remembers his Christ. But I want to read the words of this song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and my stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I thee, oh may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. An African American gentleman a few years ago wrote a song. That became very popular. That song says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I need you to know the only reason I stand here today is because of my Ebenezer. The only day, the only reason that you're here today is because there's an Ebenezer. There's a rock on which you can stand. And with that having been said, I want you to stand to your feet. And today there may be in this room and you may, you may be a person that needs to rededicate your life. You may be a person that, that, that has never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never been saved. But today is a good day. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Today, I choose, Lord, to be planted upon you, the solid rock. Lord, I confess every fault, every fallacy before you. God, today may I cast away every hindrance, anything that would beset me in life, that I may serve you in the fullness. I pray for this congregation today, that their lives will too be touched. And their lives will be changed. And as I have you standing in here with heads bowed and eyes closed, no embarrassment, I'm not going to come get you, I'm not going to call you out, but is there anybody in this room today that will say, Pastor, I need to, I, this morning, I have never given my life over to Jesus Christ. I've never surrendered in faith. I need to surrender to Him. Would you raise your hand? Is there one person in this room? One person in this room. Pastor, I need to be saved. Okay, with, with again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, please. Is there one person in this room that say, Pastor, I, I, I've, I've had a lot of things to distract me. There's been a lot of things. I've been tossed to, to and fro. Listen, don't worry about what the excuse is. 
Don't, don't worry about an excuse. Don't even search for a reason. But you know in your heart and you say, Pastor, I'm just not, I'm not where I once was with God. I need to rededicate my life today to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. Is there one, two, or three in this room? Would you raise your hand real, real quickly without any embarrassment? Pray for me, Pastor. Thank you. Are there any others? Thank you for that hand. Any other hands to go up? Today's a great day. And I, I, I want to pray. I want to pray for those that raised your hands. I want to pray for you, but I want you to know this with me. I want you to pray for you, but I don't, I don't have a silver bullet. When I pray for you, and then we'll continue to pray for you, I, I don't have any, I can't screw the top off your head and pour something into you. When you say, I want to change my life, I want to rededicate my life, you're, you in essence are saying, I am going to do things, some, some things different in my life right now. So for those hands that were raised this morning, here's what I want us to do. I just want you to, if you, if you don't mind, if it's uncomfortable for you, then don't do it. I just want you to lay your hand over on the shoulder of somebody next to you. You might not, you might not know it. They may have been the person that may have raised their hand. But I want you to begin to pray for renewal and strength in their life right now. Fathers, we come to you today. Lord, we pray for one another in this room. We're believing, Lord, that you are the solid rock. You are the Christ. You are the, this is the gospel, Lord, that we stand upon today. The good news of salvation. And Lord, today, God, I pray for the people in this room, especially that raised their hand, that they needed to renew and rededicate themselves to you. I pray that from this day forward, Lord, that they will walk in repentance. Lord God, I pray that they will be in, walk before you with honest confession. Lord God, I pray that Lord Jesus today, Lord, that they will see you. They will get a glimpse of you as you fight their, fight their battles, Lord God. And as they regain their cities, Lord God. And as they once again have your presence inhabiting their dwelling. God, I pray that, Lord, that for those that slipped up their hands this morning, that you will bring them into a place of renewal and a place of revival today, Lord God. Lord, restore, Lord, the joy of your salvation in our lives. Lord, restore unto us, Lord, the newness of who you are, Lord God, for you are new every single day. And God, I pray for strengthening renewal to occur in the lives of people in this place in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name we pray amen amen so every one of you you can be seated for just a moment every one of you should have a rock if you didn't get one get you one on the way out nothing special about them I bought this whole bag at Walmart for 98 cents. But if nothing else, just remember, set this somewhere to remember. When you look at that rock, my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the solid rock. 